everyone, welcome to the first episode of Sporthawk Sound. I hope you're all doing well. Thanks for tuning in to the very first episode of How to Fix Manchester United. But first, I thought it would be kind of nice to start off with a little chat and just to kind of see what you can expect from the podcast going forwards. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about myself as well. First of all, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Harry and I grew up in Southampton. The last couple of seasons have been pretty painful to be a Saints fan. I'm sure anyone at the bottom of the Premier League can kind of appreciate that. Especially Everton fans right now, they've just been given a 10-point deduction, which is a record, which is absolutely insane. It's not what we're going to talk about today, but just know, Everton fans, I'm sympathising with you right now. Hopefully you guys can come back from it. I'm sure Sean Dyche is the guy to get you guys back on track. Anyway. I remember going to games and when we were in the Europa League, we beat Inter Milan 2-1 at St. Mary's. And these are the sort of highlights that I have as a kid. But I never used to really see Saints playing against the big teams. It wasn't something that we experienced too often. So those are the sort of things that you remember. That's really where my love of football has come from. So anyway, I doubt you're interested in much of that. (laughs) But I just want to talk more about what you can expect from Sporthawk in the future. So first of all... I am not an expert in one specific area of football. I'm just a football fan. I have a bit of experience with analytics and analysis, a little bit of data, but really I just enjoy watching football as a fan, which I think is where we all really get it from, whether you like the data or not. So it's going to be a mixture of the two. What else can you expect? Well, like today, we are basically going to be playing football manager in real life. Um, I'm going to be pretending like I am the football director of Manchester United, but also we're going to be bringing on experts who know a lot more about football than me and we're also going to be talking to football fans and getting their opinions because everyone loves a bit of opinion based content and so do I especially so really the whole point of this is I'm going to be looking at it from a football fans perspective and just do what I enjoy and we're just going to go from there and hopefully you guys enjoy it as well I'm really just doing this for the fun of it and uh, this is actually my very first podcast so I'm not going to pretend like I know exactly what I'm doing but I'm just going to chat about football. Hopefully you enjoy. I've been taking inspiration from, well, some of my favorite podcasts because I am a serial podcast listener. Whenever I do anything, whenever I walk to work, whenever I drive somewhere, I'm always listening to podcasts. It's not always football. Sometimes it's true crime, especially, which I Could Murder a Podcast is a great one for anyone who likes true crime. But the football ones, Ranks FC is a huge one. I used to love the Football Daily podcast, the Extra Time podcast. They've stopped doing that now. And that's kind of where I have got the inspiration for this specific show. That's really, uh, that's really it. So let's get into what you've actually come here for, which is how to fix Manchester United. First of all, it is an absolutely huge job. I think that's pretty obvious. And I will be taking the football director role The director of football at Manchester United is a huge job. We've got a lot to get through. The three main things we are going to be looking at is the manager, which players are leaving and who will be coming in. What kind of profile or player is actually needed for Manchester United specifically? Because it is quite different to any other club, in my opinion. So what is actually going on at Manchester United right now? Well, currently they are sixth in the table. That's actually not as bad as you would have expected because their performances have notably been terrible. Uh, They haven't been convincing in any way, shape or form. Their goal difference is minus three because they've only scored 13 goals. So it's not a great start. They've got 21 points, but Manchester United at this current time are still ahead of Newcastle, Brighton and Chelsea. So it's not all that bad. We're five points off top four. So I have very mixed emotions on it. So it is a challenge, but I'm willing to take it on because we need a balance of young players, but we also 
need experience. I think this is really important for Manchester United because they need to be challenging soon. They can't let Liverpool, Manchester City and Arsenal walk away for long periods of time. It's been 10 years since Fergie left, since they last won the league. They really need to start challenging now. So it's about balancing that. Also, there is a bit of uncertainty still. Jim Ratcliffe looks like he's going to be coming in, but we don't know how much money we're going to have. So I'm going to really just make an estimate how much money we have for transfers and the investment that really is needed in the squad. So the whole point of this is we need a post-Fergie plan. It's been 10 years. Like I said, it's been 10 years since Fergie left Manchester United and since then everything has been downhill. So we are here to put in a post-Fergie plan. We are going to make Manchester United title challenges again, giants of Europe. Before the, the old shine of Manchester United is gone, we need to revitalise them. So what's the first thing we're going to do? Well, the first thing to fix Manchester United, bring in a director of football who is most likely going to be someone like Paul Mitchell. Paul Mitchell is currently the favourite for the job and I actually think this is going to be a decent appointment for Manchester United because he comes from a recruitment background. He's done excellently in this position in a numerous clubs in lots of different countries. So this is the sort of thing that we need. We need someone who's experienced. We don't want someone who comes in with a lack of experience, who doesn't really know what they're doing. We've been linked to people like Edwin van der Sar, who I think is a great football man. He oversaw a great job at Ajax but did work in a completely different role. So someone like Paul Mitchell has worked at Saints, Tottenham, Leipzig and Monaco. So he's obviously worked all around Europe so far and he's been responsible for signing players like Son at Spurs, Dusan Tadic at Southampton, Alderweireld at Spurs and also Sadio Mane to Southampton as well. I think Son signed for Spurs for about £22 million and that is unbelievable when you think about what he's done for the club up to this point. And he's still their main man now. But like I said, yeah, we need someone with experience. We need someone who's happy to come to the football club. It seems at this stage, Paul Mitchell is also keen to join Manchester United. He's reportedly rejected uh, an offer from Liverpool. So it, it seems like he is going to be the guy who can implement a specific culture at the club. Now, what to do with a problem like Eric Ten Hag, who is currently under a lot of scrutiny. Obviously, he's the first team coach at Manchester United right now. Last season, Manchester United's performance were improved. It was some of the best Manchester United football we had seen since Sir Alex Ferguson was at the club. He's also had to deal with some difficult situations, namely Mason Greenwood, of course, Cristiano Ronaldo, and now Jadon Sancho. There always seems to be something that's going on. Obviously, some of those things are out of his control. With the Ronaldo situation, I believe that he did deal with that quite well. Jadon Sancho, I'm not so sure. It seems that, well, Sancho hasn't really been putting in the performances for Manchester United. He's not been playing. Obviously, that's going to cause some upset. Mason Greenwood, I don't really want to touch on right now. So it looked like Manchester United were in the right direction until this season. Now, the vibe around the club isn't quite as positive, let's be honest. They've had a terrible start to the season, really, in terms of their performance. They have lost five games and they've scraped all of the wins that they have managed to achieve. They have had a lot of injuries, though. There has been a lot of injuries in the first team, namely Varane has been out for a long time. Of course, Lautaro Martinez. In the last game, the back five, including the goalkeeper, was Onana, Region, Lindelof, Maguire and Dalot. Arguably, three out of five of those guys aren't regular starters in the team. So we have to give him a fair go and say he has had a bit of a challenge with the injuries at the start of the season. I'm a little bit worried about it. I can't, I can't lie. But overall, I don't actually think there's anyone who can come in and guarantee 
to improve Manchester United straight away. Managers such as Xabi Alonso obviously doing an amazing job at Leverkusen this season. It looks like he's most likely going to take over at Real Madrid next season after Ancelotti leaves. If Ancelotti does leave, there's options such as Arne Slot, Thomas Frank, Julian Nagelsmann doesn't actually have a job at the moment. But I probably think I've seen enough from Eric Ten Hag and I just don't think that a change is financially viable right now, especially when I don't think there's anyone on the table who can come in and do a better job than he is doing right now. Obviously, there's always rumours with Zidane. I don't think Zidane is going to come to Manchester United. I think Zidane is probably going to wait for the French job. I don't think that Zidane would want to risk his legacy. He's done so much in so little so far in his managerial career. Does he really want to come to Manchester United when it is actually a huge risk? So we're going to stick with Eric Ten Hag for now. And we're going to look and go on to sorting out this mess of a squad that we have right now, okay? So the first thing that we need to do is who are we going to get rid of? We want to be careful here because we don't want to make too many changes. We don't want a Chelsea situation, okay? We don't want too many players coming in. We don't want too many players leaving. We need to think about this realistically and think about which players really need to be in the squad. We need players who are going to come in and make Manchester United into a top side again for now, but also going into the future who they can build the squad around long after I leave my post as director of football. <laughs> so let's start off with the goalkeepers. And is Anana good enough? That is a huge question that we have. As far as I'm concerned, he's not had enough time at the club. He's only just started. He's had some good performances. He's had quite a few dodgy performances, let's be honest. But last season, he was a real top goalkeeper, obviously a UCL finalist. But let's be honest, he has made a lot of costly mistakes for United this season. You do also have to take into account that the goalkeeper position at Manchester United is one of the most scrutinised positions, perhaps in world football. So I still think he needs time. And also, if we're able to sort out the defence in front of him, we know he's got the attributes to play the way that Ten Hag wants to play. And that's hugely important. Who can we bring in right now who's going to be better than Onana in the long term? I don't think there's many. We do also have to think there is the problem that he might be leaving to AFCON. It's looking more and more likely that that's going to happen. But Eric Ten Hag did bring in Alte Bayondir from Fernabache last season as decent cover. So he'll get his chance to play when Onana is at AFCON. He's also been impressive in training reportedly. So I'm not too worried about the goalkeepers right now. We're not going to make too many rash decisions here, okay? We're going to move on to the defence. The goalkeepers is pretty boring. In defence, it looks like we're making a huge loss. <laughs> the most obvious, of course, is with Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire is the biggest talking point of Manchester United I think I can ever remember. It's a real shame for him because he seems like a really nice guy, to be honest. And I just want it to work out for him. I just don't think... He is a Manchester United player, unfortunately. He's not actually been that bad this season, but it's definitely not a player that we need in the long term. And he clearly needs a fresh start. Losing the captaincy is pretty tough to take. He's still performing like a professional, but sometimes he does show weaknesses, especially with his speed. He's also on huge wages, which we can definitely afford to get off the books. So unfortunately, Harry Maguire is going to be the first one to leave. The next one is Aaron Wambasaka, who's just moved in to the last year of his contract. Another one who's come in for huge money. He's very decent defensively. 
I just don't think that he's a guy who's going to be in a team that is going to be challenging for the Premier League and he doesn't seem to suit the style of a dominant team. Obviously, with his contract expiring at the end of the summer, we are most likely to lose Aaron Wambasaka on a free, which is tragic because he was signed for over £50 million. So that is another huge loss. However, that's not really my problem right now. So he's most likely going to be leaving the club on a free. Another one that's not going to be renewed is Reguilon. I don't think that he's meant to be a Man United player for a long period of time. Obviously brought just to cover the injuries of Luke Shaw and Tyrell Malassia. Lindelof has got his contract expiring as well. I would be keeping Lindelof as cover as we don't have a lot of options back there. He does have a year extension in his contract, so we're going to try and trigger that. If he doesn't stay, I can see him going to a team like Ajax and probably doing really well. Similar to how... Um, Daily Blind went there. So overall, we're getting rid of Maguire, Aaron Wambasaka on a free, and Ragion, and we're triggering Lindelof's one-year extension. Next, we're going to move on to the midfielders. Unsurprisingly, to start off with, we are going to be getting rid of Donny van der Beek. It's never really happened for him, has it? And let's be honest, he was expected to improve with the new manager and it just hasn't happened. More surprisingly, we are going to be selling Scott McTominay. He's actually got a decent record this season. He scored three goals in 518 minutes and he started six games. Um, but he's actually played okay and I've been relatively impressed with him. I do actually think Scott McTominay is a good player. He's definitely a Premier League player. But the way I'm looking at this is it's a player in form right now who we can allow to leave who's replaceable and we can get some value for him. But he's not going to be a player who's going to be challenging for trophies and titles. I just don't see him as that player. He's going to go to another Premier League club. He's going to do a really good job. He's going to score loads of goals for Scotland as he always scores for Scotland. He's just not a Manchester United player, in my opinion. I know he's an academy player as well. So it's a shame. We're going to move him on. And the last midfielder that we are going to be releasing, unfortunately, is Christian Eriksen. Obviously, he's a popular guy. He's been through a lot and he used to be a great player. But he is on decent wages, around £150,000 a week. He's just not physical enough for our midfield. He's not quite as athletic as he used to be. I just don't think he's a guy that we need in the team long term. And honestly, with some of these, you need to kind of throw your sentimental values out of the window and just be realistic. We need to remember that we are Manchester United and that is the most important thing. I do just want to touch on Mason Mount. Mason Mount has started the season really poorly. I was hoping for a lot more from him when he moved to Manchester United. I know that his season at Chelsea wasn't necessarily his best season and Manchester United obviously offered him a lot more money and that's why he is a Manchester United player now. I don't think we need to move him on. I just want to see more from him. I'm I'm slightly worried that Eric Ten Hag isn't getting more out of players like him. I thought that he would come in. He's athletic. He's a good player. He's got experience. He's won the Champions League. I'm just a bit disappointed. I'm hoping in time he can come into his own and play more, get more minutes, start racking up assists, start racking up goals and win over the fans. Because don't forget, Mason Mount is wearing that Manchester United 7 shirt worn by Beckham, worn by Ronaldo, worn by Cantona, all these guys. He really needs to step up. We're going to give him a little more time though. And I don't want to be spending all day on underperformers in this Manchester United team because there's so many of them. I just wanted to pick out Mason Mount. I'm just a little bit disappointed with him. And we're going to move on with the forwards anyway. Out of forwards, we are really having a clear out. <laughs> and we're going to start off with Anthony. Not focusing too much on out of football affairs. It's not something I really want to go into and it's not something I actually have enough knowledge on. But anyway, his numbers are poor. Zero goals or assists 
in nine games so far this season. And last season, he got 10 goals and five assists in seven, uh, 47 games in all competitions. Two of those goals also were when he was still at Ajax, one of which in the cup and one of which in the league. So it's not great for a player who was bought in for 95 million euros or 82 million pounds. A bit of a shambles. And he also doesn't help himself when he does these skills and gets caught out, loses the ball and the other team go on a counter-attack. It doesn't really help his case. But where would Anthony go? Who's going to take Anthony? We spent 82 million pounds on him. Only last season, Juventus into Milan. Either way, we are going to be losing money on Anthony. You might say, why are you holding on to some players and not others? Does Anthony need more time? Maybe he does, but I don't think he's someone who is going to come into his own. I think we are seeing Anthony at his best in the Premier League. I just don't think that he's got the physical capabilities that can translate from what he did in the era Gervizzi where he completed more successful dribbles, more successful take-ons, he scored more goals, he got more assists. I don't think that he's showing me enough that he is actually that guy for us. We're going to take the money whilst we can. I'm looking at about 35 to 40 million pounds. That is a stretch for Anthony, which is crazy because we're losing 50% of what we, uh, what we paid for him. But we're going to cut our losses and we're going to get him out of the squad Anthony Martial is another one who's been really, really poor, especially in recent seasons. He's obviously had a couple seasons where he was playing up front and he was playing really well with Marcus Rashford. He scored a decent amount of goals that season, but since then, he hasn't lived up to his potential. He's never going to trigger that Ballon d'Or clause in his contract. It's never even been close. He's never been the best player at Manchester United, let alone in the world. He can't stay fit. Anthony Martial has been sitting around in the squad, soaking up wages for a long time. And I think it is another guy, unfortunately, we're going to have to let go. He could go to Spain. He could go to Italy. Obviously, when he was at Sevilla, he wasn't great. He came back and he was okay. He might go somewhere and play really, really well. I hope he does, but it's not going to be at Manchester United. Palestri is another one who's also been a promising player. You might say he's 21 years old. He still needs time, but he hasn't showed me enough to warrant keeping him in the squad. He's 21, which sounds young, but you look at a lot of different players around Europe who are much younger than him and showing a lot more than him. Even Bukayo Saka is the same age as him and they are not even on the same, they're not even in the same book. Jaden Sancho, this is a real tough one, but I think we are going to be letting him go. Because we're deciding to hold on to Eric Ten Hag, Jaden Sancho is not going to be a Manchester United player. He is a guy I would like to send out on loan. I think that's the best option. He still has potential. Yes, his numbers haven't been great. He was amazing at Borussia Dortmund though. But he's only played three times this season. He's got zero contributions. Last season, he played 26 games with six goals. So it's not great, but there is something there. And this one is the biggest shame for me because I think Jadon Sancho was such an exciting player when he was brought to Manchester United. He's also English, which is needed in the squad. So I don't think we're going to let him go on a permanent. We're going to send him on loan to Barcelona. Barcelona will take anyone on loan. <laughs> so I think this is, uh, he'll go somewhere like that. And hopefully he will still do well. He'll come back and him and Eric Ten Hag will be friends again. And it will all have cooled off. That's what we're hoping to do here. So we're finishing off this section with 10 players leaving the club. Harry Maguire, Aaron Wambasaka, Donny van der Beek, Eriksen, McTominay, Jadon Sancho on loan, Mason Greenwood, Anthony, Pellestri and Anthony Martial. 
So that is a lot of wages off the books. So I'm expecting to get, this is a bit generous, around 150 million. It's a bit of an estimate. It's also, you could say it's realistic. I'm not sure. You never really know how much you're going to get for players such as this, especially ones like Anthony. But it's a lot less than was spent on them. That is for sure. It's miles less than was spent on them. We're making a huge loss on these players. But we're going to have to move on. It's got to be done. In recent years, Manchester United just haven't been able to get good value for their players. You look at Liverpool, they've sold Dominic Solanke for £20 million. Look at Manchester City selling their academy players for £15 million each. This is great business. Manchester United just haven't been able to do that in the past. And it's just a real reflection of where the club is right now. Anyway, it's now time for the fun part, which is rebuilding the squad. I've allocated us around £120 million to spend on transfers, plus the £150 million that we've got from player sales. So that's given us about £170 million. But what kind of player do Manchester United need right now? We need players who are going to stop Manchester United having to play transition football. So we need to get in players who are able to be more dominant on the ball and we need a player profile who is able to fit into a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3. The whole squad needs improving, really. We need a mixture of experience and promising players, able to cope with pressure and media because it's unlike any other team other than the Real Madrids, other than the Barcelonas, Manchester United players are under more pressure to perform than nearly any other player. So we're also looking at trying to get in a few little bargains, but context with Manchester United is super important. We need success soon. We can't fall further away from Liverpool, Man City and Arsenal, as I've said. So we need to get the players who can come in and do well. But we don't want players who are going to come in for one season and completely lose their value. We want those guys who can stay around for four or five seasons and get Manchester United going again. It would be super easy just to go and get a bunch of wonder kids like you would in Football Manager and just hope that they grow into these stars. But we know at teams like Manchester United, it's actually really difficult to do that, to get young players in and become world beaters pretty quickly. So a balance is key. That's why we need the experienced players alongside the young players. So as the director of football, my first signing is going to be in defence. With the current players at centre-back, we need someone who's young and promising, but someone who can still come in and start. And that is why I have chosen Edmund Tapsoba, who is a 24-year-old centre-back. He's a great age profile. He's six foot two, and he's currently playing for ridiculously good Leverkusen side on crazy form. At the time of recording, Xabi Alonso's Leverkusen side are unbeaten in their first 11 games in the Bundesliga, winning 10 and drawing 1. They've only conceded 10 goals, which is insane. He's a physical kind of player. He's a great match for our dominant style because he's a strong presser. He ranks in the top 10% for passes, progressive passes, progressive carries, successful take-ons. That means he's going to be a great partner to Lissandro Martinez at centre-back. I do have a couple concerns though. His contract doesn't expire until 2028 and he's valued at 40 million pounds on transfer marked or 40 million euros. But due to their form... I do think that it's going to cost us more than that. He's also been linked to teams like Spurs. Hopefully we can lure him up north with a big contract and we're going to spend £55 million on Edmund Tapsoba, which might be a bit generous. I'm aware of that. 
but I think 55 million pounds is going to be enough. We're going to offer him a big contract and he's going to want to move up north to Manchester United. And he's going to be the first man in the middle of our defence sitting next to Lissandro Martinez. And he's the perfect guy for the job because he's able to keep the ball, to progress the ball up the pitch. And he's just the man that Eric Ten Hag needs. So the next one might surprise you. I have to be honest. It's a 29-year-old who currently plays for Barcelona. He's on loan there from Manchester City. His name is Joao Cancelo. It might sound crazy, okay? But if we can get him, he would be perfect. Firstly, he's so versatile. He can play on either side. And he's amazing whether he's playing on the left or the right. And this is something that we really need. Manchester United have had so many injuries in defence. We need someone who's versatile, who can cover Luke Shaw if he gets injured. Even Tyrone Malassia. He can also play on the right, which is where he is going to start for us. Is we're going to have Luke Shaw as our left back, but he can cover there if needed. But listen to this, right? Cancelo ranks in the top 15% of all fullbacks in Europe for non-penalty goals, assists, expected assists, shot creating actions, progressive passes, progressive carries, touches, progressive passes received and tackles. He's also in the top 1% for successful take-ons. This is the sort of guy who has experience, who can come into Manchester United, who will significantly help with ball progression up the pitch. And he offers huge experience because he's won the Champions League. He's won the Premier League. He's also played in like every country in Europe. He's played for Valencia. He's played for Inter Milan. He's played for Juventus. He's obviously already played in the Premier League. And he's not wanted by City, which is very strange as last season he was their best player. But he's on loan at Barcelona, which is going to be a bit of an issue for us. But he signed a contract at Manchester City in 2022. It's one of those things. You can imagine Pep Guardiola next season will go, oh, we need Cancelo again in the team. Weirdly, and then he will start every game. I don't understand some of this thinking, but hopefully that's not the case. His contract expires in 2027. So he's still got quite a long contract. And will City sell to us? Well... They have sold players to Arsenal in recent years who are now rivals. So I'm hoping that they'll do the same for us. I know it's a bit of a stretch, but he is really the perfect guy for this team. We also counted on Paul Mitchell to convince him that he doesn't need to move house. So it's just less of a faff for him to come to Manchester United rather than go to Barcelona on a permanent transfer after this, this season. So these things do happen in football. Football's a strange place. And I'm just banking that we can pull off a miracle. But how much is actually going to cost us? It's going to be a decent chunk. At least £50 million, at least. Whilst he is 29, he is experienced, he is consistent and he is versatile. I think all these things are extremely valuable to us right now. These are things that we really, really need. So I'm willing to spend this money. Call me crazy. It's happening. Joao Cancelo is coming in at right back. And we've now got our back four sorted, which is Luke Shaw, Lissandro Martinez when he's back from injury, of course, Tap Soba and Joao Cancelo. And I think that really changes the look of our team. So we've already spent around 105 or so million on two players in defence. But we're going to move into the midfield now. Looking at signing two versatile centre mids who can either play in the double pivot or in the midfield three that Manchester United often play under Eric Ten Hag. The first player that we are going to be bringing in is Maxence Kakare, a 23-year-old midfielder who plays at Lyon currently. He can play in both centre mid and CDM, but Lyon are really, really struggling this season. They have sold so many of their main players and they're really struggling now after selling so many stars like Paqueta to West Ham, 
Bruno Guimaraes to Newcastle, Moussa Dembele, they used to have Memphis Depay and Dembele and so on. I could go on for a long time about the players that have left Lyon in the last four to five years, but they now sit bottom of the table in Liga and they have seven points. Seven. For Lyon, who not that long ago were playing in the Champions League, it's an absolute shambles. Kakare is an academy player who's just doing his best. Despite their terrible form, he actually still has some decent numbers. He's played 100% of their minutes this season and he's completing 2.7 tackles per 90 and 1.47 interceptions. Also, he has 6.3 progressive passes and around two progressive carries. So he's young, he's versatile, he still has a lot of potential and can come in and out of the squad. He won't be demanding crazy playing time and he won't be demanding to start straight away. He's also not a huge name, which I think will decrease that amount of pressure that he has, especially if we're bringing in some other guys. He can contribute going forwards as well. Last season, he did get four goals and seven assists from centre midfield. He can fill in if Casemiro gets injured. And the Leon position may mean that we can get him for a reduced fee, especially if they do end up getting relegated. Like, Leon could really get relegated this season, which is crazy to imagine. At the moment, he is valued at 22 million euros on transfer marked. So I think we could secure him for around 20 million pounds, maybe 25. If, the, if Leon go down, it will be a 20 million pound transfer. The only slight worry I do have about him is his physical adaptation to the Premier League. He isn't actually the biggest guy in the world. I think he's about five foot eight and a half. So he's not tiny. I think this overall is going to be a great signing for us. And with the next guy that we're going to bring in, he will have time to adapt and he won't have the pressure of starting in the Man United midfield straight away. So who is the other signing in midfield? Well, it's someone with a little bit more experience. Well, a lot more experience. It is actually Leon Goretzka of Bayern Munich. This wasn't a signing that you would have thought was possible, but it is surprisingly likely that Bayern Munich let Leon Goretzka go this season. The 28-year-old Bayern and Germany international will provide much needed physicality. He is six foot two. He's strong going both ways defensively and in the attack. He's in the top 4% of blocks and interceptions in Europe's top five leagues, but he also is in the top 10% of all midfielders for combined goals and assists. He's won the German league five times and he has serious amount of experience at the highest level. This season, his defensive stats have actually been down quite a lot. I think he's been playing slightly further forwards for Bayern Munich. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have the capabilities to do so in our team anyway, because we will need those defensive stats from him. But weirdly, he's no longer one of the first names on a Bayern Munich team sheet. He's missed 44% of games for Bayern this season. He's only played 66% of minutes, which does surprise you. Yes, he has missed three games with a broken hand. But we're looking for someone in midfield as well who is going to be consistent. And his injury record is pretty good. He missed six games last season, but none of them were recurring injuries. So that sort of level of consistency is something that's really valuable to us. We need the availability more than anything, and it's going to be vital when we're rebuilding this squad. There's also been, yeah, lots of rumours of him leaving Bayern Munich, which was a surprise to me, but it seems very likely. He's valued at 45 million euros, and I think that's actually going to be a fair price. If Bayern are willing to let this guy go, 45 million euros, so about 40 or so million pounds we are going to bring him through the door out. So for the end of this section, Kakare and Goretzka are coming in for combined around £65 million. And now it's time to move on to the forwards. So we need a replacement for Jaden Sancho and Anthony. And my number one choice is Xavi Simmons. He's 20 years old. He's a Dutch international. He 
plays predominantly on the right, but he's also capable of playing on the left and playing an attacking midfield. Again, another versatile player. It just amazes me that Xavi Simmons was bought back from PSV for just 4 million euros, which is absolutely insane. Obviously, he had that buyback option in his contract. So it was pretty much just a glorified loan move. But he's had crazy numbers this season. Four goals and seven assists in just 860 league minutes. He also has a goal, uh, two goals and one assist in the Champions League already. So he's currently working at 0.59 assists per 90 and 0.4 goals per 90, which is really, really good. He's only 20 years old and I think he's such an exciting player. But for his goals and assists, he is in the top 10% of all attacking midfields in Europe's top five leagues. Something also that surprised me is he is quite strong in the air, but he's not that strong a dribbler. He's only got two successful take-ons per 90, which is something that he could possibly work on. I just don't think that that is Xavi Simmons' game. Simmons has always had high expectations though. Coming through La Masia, I remember seeing videos of him when he was, he must have been about 12 years old. And then obviously moving to PSG, he was always thought to be the next big thing. And then it wasn't really happening for him. And he moved to PSV. He took the opportunity. He took the risk of moving to PSV when he could have come through at PSG. And he's thrived ever since. And it just shows to me what his character is like. And ever since he moved to PSV, he has been incredible. So at this point, I have no doubt he can take the next step up, which would be to a club like Manchester United and do a great job. It seems like he's got the right mindset for the club as well, which is really important. We don't want more players coming in and flopping. So I have, good, I have a good feeling about Xavi Simmons and I think he could be the right guy. I also looked at players like Paolo Dybala, which is actually a really interesting one. He's just turned 30, so obviously he is an older option, but he has a 10 million euro release clause for clubs outside of Italy. He brings reputation, great performances at Roma as well, but he seems happy there. He's loved. He seems like a player who really thrives on being loved and being the main man in the team, which he might not necessarily be at Manchester United. He might not come in and be the guy. Obviously, they're calling him the Emperor of Rome, which is great to see. Rome really seem to value their players. When a player is connected to Rome, the fans really seem to respond to them. So I don't think we're going to be able to convince Paolo Dybala to come here, but we could try and pay his release clause. I've got a slightly more rogue shout for another striker because I do think that we need a couple of options going forwards. I'm going to go into that later, but we're going to stick with Javi Simmons because he's the more exciting and the more promising option. He's going to give us so much value in the future. How much is it going to cost us? That is a bit tricky. This is probably going to be the most expensive signing of the day. He's valued at 70 million on transfer marked, but he's not that mainstream hyped player yet. I think he will get there. PSG only paid 4 million euros for him. And I'm hoping that we can just tempt them with a 60 million euro profit. So we're going to be bidding around 65 million pounds for him. And we're going to say that PSG take that money and he's going to come right into the right hand side of our midfield alongside Bruno, alongside Rashford. I think Xavi Simmons is the perfect guy. So finally, we are going to be looking at bringing in one or two players whose contracts are expiring. The first one I think is a great option. It's Nico Williams. He's the main guy I'd like to bring in for a free transfer. 
I think he's about to explode, you know. He plays with the brother at the moment in Bilbao, Inyaki Williams. He's the younger brother of Inyaki Williams. He's only 21 years old. He's a winger. He's predominantly a left-sided winger. So obviously we do have Marcus Rashford on that side. I haven't mentioned Marcus Rashford much in this video. I think Marcus Rashford is always being talked about. His form's been poor this season. So I think it would be good to have some exciting player like Inyaki Williams who can come in and provide that option. But Williams can also play on the right-hand side. He's a really strong runner. He'll provide some excitement with speed. I think the fans will really take to someone like him. He's got four goal contributions in his last three matches for Spain as well. So he's doing it at that high level. He offers something different to Xavi Simmons as well. He can play on either wing, like I said, but predominantly on the side of Marcus Rashford. He's got one goal and six assists in 10 appearances this season in La Liga, which is pretty good. I think this just has huge upside and low risk. We do face competition from Real Madrid and Barcelona as well. So this is one that we're going to have to get over the line, try and get him on a pre-contract in January. He's re reportedly rejected a recent contract from Bilbao. His agent has disagreed with that and said that there's no formal offer yet. It does suggest that the club knows he wants to leave. And that's kind of what his agent has said. So we need to get him in early. This is going to be a priority for us because it offers us great depth as well. It also brings in more speed into the side. Manchester United side, obviously you've got Rashford. Hoyland is extremely quick as well. It just gives us that other quick player that we can bring on off the bench or even as a starter. I think he'd still be a really good starter for us if he's needed. The other last position is do we need that experienced striker? Because Hoyland has come in, he scored great goals in the Champions League. But in the Premier League, obviously, he hasn't scored at the time of recording. Am I that worried about this? Not really, to be honest. I think he is going to come into his own, but we do need to take some of the pressure off of him. So like I said, we've talked a little bit about Dybala, but we could even look at Morata. <laughs> okay, look, I might have lost a couple of you by saying that, but his contract expires this year as well. Okay, and let me talk a little bit more about Morata this season because he's actually been crazy. He's playing for Atletico Madrid. Obviously, he's about six foot two, six foot three. And he's going to bring us experience. This guy is in form. He's in the form of his career. If you haven't heard, Alvaro Morata has currently scored seven goals in 11 games for Atleti in the league. He's also scored five in four in the Champions League. Simeone recently compared Morata to Haaland. Okay, this is crazy. He's not as good as Haaland, but his contract is running out this season and he's clearly trusted by Atleti because he's played 100% of league minutes for them this season. On a free contract, he offers us experience. He offers us a different kind of striker to Hoyland as well. And he's a player in form. The problem is Manchester United spent so much money on Hoyland that he's just under so much pressure to perform. And you can kind of see it in his face. Even though he's doing amazingly well in the Champions League, He's struggling in the Premier League and he needs that support. So this is what Morata is going to do. Morata is going to come in and he's going to be Hoyland's support. It might sound crazy. Look, Morata, let's be honest, is not a guy I thought I would be saying would be coming into Manchester United. He's had poor spells at Chelsea. He's had poor spells at a couple of different places, but he's actually doing really well. And I think we can hop on the back of that and get a couple good seasons out Morata for free. So there's not much risk in it. And that is the main reason. We wouldn't be bringing in Morata if we were having to pay a large fee for him. But on a free, I actually do think that this is a good option. And he's still not super old. At 31, he's still got a couple seasons in him, especially until at least he's 34. And 
I don't think you can argue with that. Anyway, <laughs> so this is who we are going to be bringing in to Manchester United. Tap Soba for 55 million, obviously a young modern centre-back. Joao Cancelo, a versatile fullback for 50 million. For 20 million pounds, we're going to bring in Kakare, who's promising and he's a cover for our midfield. 40 million pounds for Goretzka, our experienced player to strengthen the spine of the team. Xavi Simmons, for 65 million pounds, maybe closer to 70. Nico Williams and Maratta for zero pounds on free transfers when their contracts expire in 2024. So roughly we're spending around 230 million pounds. Our budget was about 250 million pounds. So we've done okay there. We are within budget. We've got a little bit more room to get in Javi Simmons. I would, I would pay up to 70 million pounds for Javi Simmons. So I think we're doing okay. Now, let's look at the starting XI of the players we have brought into Manchester United, the team that is going to challenge for top four, for trophies, for the Champions League. We're starting with Onana in goal, Luke Shaw at left back, Cancelo at right back, and centre-back partnership of Tapsoba and Nisandro Martinez. We then have Goretzka and Casemiro as a double pivot with Bruno Fernandes attacking midfield, Xavi Simmons on the right, Marcus Rashford on the left and Hoyland up front. We also have on the bench Maratta, Kakare, Nico Williams, Mason Mount. We have all these guys. Suddenly the squad looks a lot better and hopefully Eric Ten Hag can start implementing the style of play that he did have back when he was at Ajax. The team that everyone loves so much. And hopefully we've managed to do that. Obviously it was a huge job. But Man United fans, let me know what did you think? Did I make the correct transfers? Did I sell the right players? Did I bring the right ones in? Who would you have brought in? Let me know. Message me directly on Instagram at Sound, or you can send me an email if you like. But whether you're a Man United fan or not, I'd love to know if you enjoyed the first episode of Sporthawk Sound. Obviously, this is my very first try, so I'm still learning, but I would absolutely love to know your thoughts. So let me know what you did enjoy, what you didn't, and what you'd like to hear in future episodes. Before you go, make sure you follow Sporthawk Sound on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. That honestly would be absolutely amazing. And thank you so much for listening. And I'll be back very, very soon with Sporthawk Sound Episode 2.